0: you would, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. I'll be reading verses 46 and 47. That was Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and 47. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thank you and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence tonight. Very thankful that you've chosen to come back tonight. We're always grateful for the opportunity to be together. Uh, Hope and pray that you've had a safe and happy weekend. It has been a holiday weekend. I know that we've got a lot of folks that are probably on their way home tonight. And we pray that they will have a safe uh, trip back home. Very grateful for all the blessings that we enjoy in this life. And I think about how we ought to be thankful every day. Paul said, in everything, give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we have so many, many blessings to be grateful for on a regular basis. In our study tonight, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. In our study this evening, the title of our lesson, Have Mercy on Me. And as we begin our study tonight, I want to just begin by expressing thankfulness for all the many blessings that we enjoy on a daily basis and you step back and think about all of the physical blessings that we enjoy the measure of health that so many times we take for granted one of the great blessings associated with good physical health is the ability to see you ever thought about how much your eyesight is worth to you You know, there are a lot of things, physically speaking, that I could probably let go, but to lose my vision, that is frightening. And yet, in Mark chapter 10, we read about a fellow by the name of Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who was blind, and this man had the opportunity to come in contact with Jesus, And what he wanted was what we would want, and that was mercy. So you think about all your blessings and all the things that we have to give God thanks for. And one of the things that hopefully and prayerfully we are grateful for, our vision. And there are so many things that probably we ought to express gratitude to God for on a regular basis. But to be able to see, to see the handiwork of God, To see people that we know and love. I mean, that's worth a lot, isn't it? And to imagine losing the ability to see. Let's look at Mark chapter 10 tonight as we think about a man by the name of Bartimaeus who wanted mercy. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the condition of Bartimaeus. And there were really two things that stand out in our text. Number one... Mark says that he was blind, and number two, he was a beggar. So listen to what the text says. As they came to Jericho, Jericho was located about eight miles north of the River Jordan, some 19 miles northeast of the city of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, the city of Jericho is one of the oldest inhabited cities in the world. You remember back in the book of Joshua, one of the first cities that Joshua took in his conquest in their attempt to go in and take the, the land of promise, the land of Canaan. So the Bible says they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So, first, his blindness. He lacked the ability to see. Quite honestly, I never really thought a lot about my vision until I had the shingles four years ago. And after experiencing that for a couple of months and some of the highs and lows of that experience, I have come to appreciate greatly my eyesight. And to think that really in just a matter of A short period of time, we can go from seeing to sightless. So here was a fellow that was blind. And you know, spiritually speaking, there are some people that are blind. They're blind to the spiritual treasures and spiritual riches that are found in Christ Jesus. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about the God of this age, the God of this world, that being the devil. And Paul said the God of this age has blinded the minds of them which believe not. How sad that there are some who are spiritually blind to all of the great treasures and blessings that are associated with Christ. Is it not the case that there are people in our world today that place more value on the physical, the material, the transitory things of life rather than that which is defined as eternal or spiritual in nature. And the source of that, of course, would be the devil. And the devil has blinded the minds of many, many people in our world today. And so many times they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. And so we talk about the physical malady of blindness and how bad that would be. But there's something far worse, and that would be to be labeled as spiritually blind. And then there are those who are spiritually bound. I think about a man that was bound up with blindness. I don't know how long Bartimaeus had been blind. I know over in John chapter 9, we read about a man that had been born blind. And Jesus, in that context, gave sight to that man. And just just imagine being born blind, never having seen the handiwork of God, never having visually seen your friends and family members, and then to be able to see have that vision. What a tremendous blessing. What does it mean to be spiritually bound? Do you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2 the Apostle Paul talks about those who are taken captive by the devil to do his will? Did you know that the devil is intent on binding and imprisoning people in a life of sin and servitude? Do you remember in John chapter 8 Jesus talked about how the Son had the ability to make people free, free from sin and death. But in verse 34, he talked about those who were the bondservants of sin. And I think about in connection with what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that there are some who have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. They're imprisoned, but sadly they don't know they're in prison. They're bound, but they don't know they're bound. They're in bondage, but they don't know they're in bondage. In in effect, they are slaves to that way of life, aren't they? And so Bartimaeus was blind, but then also the Bible says that he was a beggar. And I would imagine that in the first century, it would have been difficult to get work if you were a blind person. I think about how blessed we are in America that people have disabilities, and yet with those disabilities, they are able to get a good education, they're able to be trained in certain types of industry or work, and become and can become viable citizens in in our country. They can become productive and hardworking people. Literally, they can support themselves, can't they? But here's a fellow sitting by the roadside, begging, destitute. And doesn't that say something about those who are living in sin? We talk about the fact that there are spiritual implications to blindness, but there are also spiritual implications associated with, a life of, with the life of a beggar. Because number one, Sin can lead to a destitute life. Do you remember in Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of the man that had two sons? He said, The younger of the sons went to his father and wanted his inheritance, and the Bible says that the father divided unto his two sons his inheritance. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, went out, and then took a journey into a far country, and the Bible says, He wasted his substance on profligate or riotous living. Basically, he took everything that had been entrusted into his care, went out and blew it, as we would say. And The Bible says that after he had spent all, a severe famine arose in the land, and Jesus said he began to be in want. There are a lot of people in our world today, if you had the opportunity to sit down and talk to them about their life, they would tell you, They are suffering the effects of poor decisions. They chose to live a certain lifestyle as a result of that. They have lived a very destitute, hard life. Do you remember what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13? The way of the transgressor is hard. In Luke 15, when you read about the parable of the prodigal son, that's borne out, isn't it? What about the two thieves that were crucified with Jesus just outside the walls of Jerusalem? Were they not paying for their sins? The destitution that comes as a result of poor choices in life. And I think about people today who are enslaved to alcohol and other types of recreational drugs. Some have become enslaved to prescription drugs. And then there are those who have chosen to live a life that is foreign or alien to a life associated with Jesus and the teaching of the Bible. And their life is one of heartache and sadness and trial and tribulation and difficulty and destitution. And many of us, we've watched people on television, we've seen reports of people whose lives have been marred by sin and we look at their lives and we see the utter destitution and hopelessness that pervades their lives. And you think about what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that those who are outside a covenant relationship with God, they are without hope and without God in this world. And so Bartimaeus was blind. He was a beggar. Spiritually speaking, we talk about people who are spiritually blind and bound by a life of sin. We talk about how some people, because of a lifestyle, because of what they have chosen to do in this life, certain choices they've made, they have become beggars in a sense. Spiritually destitute, and I would add to that, desperate. When you read about Bartimaeus, was he not desperate? I mean, here's a guy sitting by the roadside and he is basically asking for a handout, isn't he? Do you remember in Acts chapter 3 when the Bible says that Peter and John came in contact with a man, a lame man at, outside the gate of the temple in Jerusalem? And what was he doing? He was begging for alms. And Peter said, look, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. And there are people in our city, I read or heard just the other day, in the city of Memphis, there are some seventeen to 19, 1,900 homeless people in this, in this area. Almost 2,000 people that do not have a place to call home. So they beg. And there are people in our world, because of sin, because of choices they have made, are living Lives of desperation. Let me tell you what, when people will steal from friends and family members because they've got to support a habit, that's desperation, isn't it? When people will lie and cheat and murder and do any other number of things to support a habit, that's desperation. And so sin has left its mark on the human family. So we think think about the condition of Bartimaeus, but then secondly... Note, if you would, the cry of Bartimaeus. Look at what he said in verse 47. And the Bible here speaks of his passionate cry. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, don't you find it interesting that here's a blind man, he's begging And the Bible says Jesus is passing by and upon hearing that Jesus is near him in his presence, he begins to cry out for mercy. Says something to me about this man. That he had to have some understanding of the person Jesus. Otherwise, why would he have cried out? And note if you would, He identified Jesus as the Son of David. The Son of David is often linked to the coming Messiah. And you can go back and read in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God said to David in the long ago that he would raise up one to sit on his throne. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus today sits upon the throne of David. It is a spiritual throne. Jesus by way of lineage, came through the seed line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. Specifically, he came through the family of David. So here's a man that knew something about the coming Messiah. And the Jews, they had the Old Testament Scriptures. And the Old Testament prophets, bit by bit and piece by piece, they are unveiling the coming of the Messiah. And they are pointing to the future in which the Messiah would come to redeem the human family. So this guy knew something about Jesus. Knew something about the person Jesus. There are a lot of folks in our world today that know something about Jesus. And you think about household names. There are a few people in our world that are literally household names but Jesus is a household name isn't he I mean I understand that we live in a country today that in many ways uh, in many ways we as a nation of people have abdicated the will of God and the word of God in our lives and we have grown distant from the teaching of New Testament scripture but by and large most people in our country know something about Jesus this man knew something about Jesus not only did he know something about the person Jesus, but I believe he knew something about the power of Jesus. Now you ask the question, how's that the case? Well, because he's blind, he's a beggar, and Jesus is passing by, and he's crying out to the Lord Jesus, and he's saying, have mercy on me. Do you think he wants something? Go back with me for a moment and look at Mark chapter 1 for just a minute. I want you to see something with regard to the power of Jesus. Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, we have an account of Jesus calling the disciples, beginning in verse 16. In verse 21 and following, he cast out demons. And the Bible says his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. In verses 29 and following, we have an account of Peter's mother-in-law being healed. And then in verse 32, listen to what Mark records concerning Jesus. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick, and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. You know, good news travels fast, doesn't it? I suspect that though Bartimaeus was blind, he had heard about all the great work that Jesus had been doing. As a matter of fact, Mark tells us his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. So I mean, here's Jesus, and he is in your presence, and you're blind, and you're a beggar. Would you ask for some help? That'd be the normal, natural thing to do, wouldn't it? That's what I would do. I would hope that's what all of us would want to do. Reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we think about his passionate cry. But not just his passionate cry, but note if you would, his persistent cry. Note verse 48. Then many warned him to be quiet. Don't you find that interesting? That here's a guy who's blind, he's a beggar, he's crying out for help from the Lord. And you've got those about him who are telling him, look, you need to be quiet. Leave him alone. But the Bible says he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you what. They couldn't shut Bartimaeus up. Couldn't quieten him. And the reason was, because he needed help, the person who had the ability and the power to help him, was in his presence. And so he's going to make wise usage of the opportunity before him. I think as you look at this account and his persistent cry, it says something about his personal need. And not just his personal need, but it was a profound need. Now you think about, think about how important your vision is. If you had to make a choice tonight, would you choose your eyesight over your hearing? Would you choose your vision over your hand? Would you choose your hearing over your leg if you had to make a choice? This guy had a personal need. You know, sometimes we talk about those who are having surgery. It's always interesting to hear people talk about so-and-so is going to have surgery, and they'll always say, you know, it's just minor surgery. It's always minor if it's somebody else, isn't it? When it's your surgery, it's not so minor. Well, this guy had a personal need. And it was a Profound need, because it was debilitating, was it not? I can't imagine going through life without my eyesight. heard about a preacher a long time ago who had a tremendous mind. And he had been told that he was losing his eyesight. So you know what he did? He immersed himself in study. Over a period of time, he began to commit verse after verse after verse to memory because he was afraid of getting to a point where he couldn't read the scriptures. If you thought you were losing your vision, would there be some things on your bucket list that you'd want to do? Places you'd want to go? People you'd want to see? Things you would want to do? I suspect all of us would have probably a lengthy list. So here's here's a guy who has a personal need. It is not just a personal need. It is a profound need. And a need that only Jesus could help him with. So let's think now of the cure of Bartimaeus. And note if you would beginning in verse 49, the compassion of Jesus. If you want to know something about Jesus, and I think that in the gospel narratives, we are afforded a lot of insight into the heart and mind and life of Jesus. If you want to know how, think, if you want to know how Jesus thinks, if you want to know something about the heart of Jesus and His compassion and His tenderness and His mercy, then just spend time in this book that we call the bible because you learn a lot so listen to what it said in verse 49 so jesus stood still boy that just leaps off the page doesn't it i mean think about jesus he's going from city to city he's involved in daily ministry He's coming in contact with all all kinds of people. And here's a fellow by the roadside. He's begging. He needs help. He's asking for mercy. And the Bible says that Jesus stood still. Now let me ask you a question. How many quote-unquote important people in our world today, were they walking down the roadside and a beggar were sitting on the curbside And if the beggar were to cry out, sir, could you help me? Ma'am, could you help me? How many would stop? Would you stop? Would you stop? The Bible says that Jesus stood still. That says to me that Jesus had time for Bartimaeus, didn't he? you know there are a lot of important people in our world today to be well to be very candid and honest wouldn't give many of us the time of day would they they're too busy they're too important they got too many things going on it would be it would be beneath them to take time out of their busy schedule to talk to us, but not so with Jesus. Now you read the gospel narratives. Go back to John chapter 4 when Jesus was at Jacob's well. And there was a woman there who was a Samaritan. And John said, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And what did Jesus do? He took time for that lady, didn't he? Quality time. Matter of fact, he made a tremendous impression upon her life. So much so that she went back to her own people and said, come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. What about Zacchaeus in Luke 19? You remember Zacchaeus? Little Zacchaeus? The tax collector? Zacchaeus has climbed a sycamore tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. When Jesus sees him, he says, come down, make haste, come down, for today I must abide in your house. Jesus took time for an outcast in society like Zacchaeus. And people hated tax collectors, had no use for them. And then you think about that Samaritan woman, a half-breed, not to mention the fact that in the first century, for the Lord to talk to a woman, but he took time, didn't he? In Mark chapter 1, you remember that leper that came to Jesus and he knelt before him and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Did Jesus have time for him? Yes, he did. Now what's the application? Jesus has time for us, doesn't he? You know, we talk about the hustle and bustle of life and how many things are going on and swirling around us and all the things that are going on in life and yet, Well, in many many instances, people are so busy that when we have problems, they don't have time for us. They don't have time to just pause and to listen, to hear us out, to share in our heartache or the burdens of life. Not so with Jesus. Not so at all. Jesus had time for Bartimaeus. Not only did Jesus have time for Bartimaeus, but Jesus was touched by Bartimaeus. Listen to what he said in verse 49. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, arise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Now imagine that. Here is the Son of God, the creator of the universe. Isn't that right? Did Jesus not speak the world into existence? Yes, He did. Is Jesus not the one who upholds all things by the word of His power? Yes, He is. And Jesus had time for this man, and He was touched by this man. Is there a scripture that says something about the Lord being in touch with our feelings. Can you think of a passage? Let me share one with you. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And listen, if you would, what, to what the writer said. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. The word sympathize carries with it the idea to feel with. Does Jesus have the ability to feel what you're feeling? Yes, he does. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. And the Bible says, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Now listen to him in verse 16. In light of the fact that Jesus is sympathetic to our plight in life, and the fact that he can be touched by our hurts and heartaches and sorrows and trials and tribulations and difficulties and discouragements. The writer said, let us therefore draw boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The writer is saying, look, you need to understand something about the Lord. First and foremost, you need to understand the Lord has time for you. He will always make time for you. You ever heard somebody talk about how busy they are in life and you want to get a meeting with them or you want to sit down and talk to them for a minute and they'll say, you know what, I will clear my calendar for you. That's Jesus. In effect, he will clear his calendar for you. That's how much he thinks of you. He always has time for you. And not only does Jesus have time for you, but he is touched by what you're facing in life. And so in light of that, the Hebrew writer said, look, here's what you need to do. You need to arm yourself with a prayerful disposition. You need to draw boldly before the throne of grace and the is that we can go before the throne of God. And that we can be very frank and open in our discussion with the Lord that we don't have to hold back, that we can go before His throne and lay before Him our hurts and our heartaches and our sorrows, our trials, our tribulations, whatever we're facing in life. The writers say, you can lay that on the throne of God and you can expect grace and mercy. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what Bartimaeus wanted? Didn't Bartimaeus say to Jesus, have mercy on me? Yes, he did. So, According to Mark, Jesus had time for this man and Jesus was touched by this man. I mentioned a moment ago the leper in Mark chapter 1. Lepers were outcast, weren't they? And didn't they have to cry out unclean, unclean when in the presence of people? Weren't they ostracized or isolated in their own camp? And yet the Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand And touched him. What does that say about Jesus reaching out and touching the untouchable? What does that say about Jesus being touched by our sorrows and pains in life? Does Jesus understand? Yes, He does. And do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 7? You think about here is the Apostle Peter, he spent three and a half years with the Lord Jesus. He had the opportunity to spend quality time with Jesus. We're talking about quality time, the quantity of time that he spent. I mean, he spent three years with Jesus and he's eaten with Jesus. He's listened to Jesus. He's prayed with Jesus. I mean, he has spent time in the presence of Jesus over and over again. And don't you think he knew something about Jesus and his concern for the human family? So doesn't it Seem appropriate that Peter would say, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Now, there's one other thing I want to share with you, and that is the cure by Jesus. His compassion, yes, but what about his cure? Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, which literally means my great one. Here's what I want, that I may receive my sight. Isn't that what you would want? It's what I'd want. Wouldn't you want to see if you were blind? Yes, sir. So here's what Jesus said. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. Now you think about the power of Jesus, the awesome power of Jesus. Here's a guy that is blind. He's a beggar. And Jesus has just changed the course of his life physically, hasn't he? I mean, can you imagine the doors that will be opened? Here's a guy that had been blind, but now he can see. He'd been disabled, but now no longer dealing with that disability day in and day out. Jesus had the power to heal him. Changed the course of his life, physically speaking. I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine. I could imagine getting down on my hands and knees and thanking God. Thanking Him. That I can see now. Not only did he change the course of his life physically, but he changed the course of his life spiritually. Listen to what he said. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Luke's account in Luke 18, Luke says that having received his sight, he followed Jesus, listen to him, glorifying God. Do you think this fella, do you think this fella was willing to follow the Lord Jesus? to live for him day in and day out? I'd hope so. Jesus has the ability to alter the course of people's lives. Does it every day. Jesus has the ability to change the course of your life. If your life is not what it ought to be, spiritually speaking, there's only one person I know that can, that can change it. That's Jesus. Jesus made a profound difference in the life of this man, altering the course of his life physically and more importantly, spiritually. So you step back and you look at the life of this fellow and you understand, what did he want? He wanted mercy. It's what we had want. In conclusion tonight, I mentioned a moment ago that there are, There are some things that are worse than being spiritually blind, or rather than being physically blind. There are some things worse than being a beggar, physically speaking, to be spiritually blind, to be a spiritual beggar. But that can change. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, what we want to do is encourage you To make a change in your life so that the course of your life will be altered for the better. I want to challenge you this week to go through the gospel narratives and look at the numerous accounts of Jesus making a difference in the lives of people. It's amazing. The beauty of it is he's still making a difference in the lives of people. He can make a difference in your life. What would you need to do? Believe that he's the son of God, John eight twenty four. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. And be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life, Revelation two ten. If you're here tonight and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God, you need the prayers of the church. Look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And it might be that you're here tonight and you're suffering for whatever reason. Sin's not a problem in your life, but you got a lot of pain in your life. And you need prayer. And we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Understanding that we're here to bear one another's burdens. So if we can assist you tonight in any way, please come as we stand and sing.